Happy Thanksgiving weekend. <laughs> I didn't get much response on that at the other service either. So anyways, I guess you moved on, right? It's, it's, it's done. It's over. It's exciting that we're starting a new series for Advent. I hope during this message I can do a little bit of educating about Advent, what that means for us within the church. A message that will encourage you, a message that will invite you into God's purpose and God's plan, and a message that will challenge you to be watching for what God is about to do. Now, I had a little mixed feelings about home for Christmas because of everybody being quarantined, right? Has a little different connotation uh, in today's world where we are being forced to stay home when we don't want to stay home. And more of you stayed home for Thanksgiving than probably ever. But home for Christmas. We were talking about, uh, with our sermon prep team, about a story or two that would relate to being home for Christmas. As I began to reflect over the last 40-some years of ministry, we have never gone home for Christmas because of doing ministry. And we've created uh, new experiences and traditions wherever we've been with our family to be home here for Christmas. We uh, have had, through the years, had dinner with a family in the church that we did that for like 15 years. Where on Christmas Eve, we would, between services, go over and we'd do supper together. But then we added another service, so that kind of eliminated that tradition. So we've had um, kind of a interesting family dynamics on Christmas Eve and Christmas morning. Kids have gotten older now. They've moved away. Uh, and so we, things are different. So as I was working on this sermon, thinking about what it feels like to go home for Christmas, the Lord convicted me uh, that my wonderful wife, who's been with me all these 40 years of ministry, uh, have not, has not been home for Christmas in 27 years. And I remember just the struggle she would have through the years of watching her family get together now on social media on Christmas Eve and do this stuff in Conway and then celebrate Christmas Day and we're here. And so I said to her, I said, Lynn, I think you really need to go home for Christmas this Christmas. You need to go home for Christmas. Your mom's 83. Uh, not this will be her last Christmas, but that, you know, you just want to be home for Christmas. And of course, her concern was about me. Well, what about you? I said, I'll be fine. Uh, we'll, we'll figure all that out and we'll figure out how to do Christmas with the grandkids and all that when you get back. But just go home for Christmas. And I know it's going to be an exciting time for her and her family to get to do Christmas at home together after 27 years of not doing that. You know, Advent and Christmas is about anticipation. It's anticipating the goodness and the wonderfulness of being together in God's presence with God's people. Advent is anticipation. It's about anticipating what God is going to do in Advent. I want to read to you today for our text, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. If you're able, would you stand as we read God's word together? Now, this is the Advent promise given to Isaiah. It's for us today. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel, and his people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. 
they will be fuel for the fire. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and his peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. The passionate commitment of the Lord's heaven armies will make this happen. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Gracious God, we thank you for making this happen. This prophecy given to Isaiah has happened. And Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, has entered into our world. 2,000 years ago, we remember and celebrate his birth, the Prince of Peace. And Father God, may his kingdom reign for now and forever. And may we worship him with love and passion during this Advent season. Give me the words to speak. Give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Now Isaiah gave this prophecy 700 years before the birth of Jesus. For 700 years, Israel had been expecting a Messiah, the advent, the appearing of God's Messiah. Mothers had been praying that their unborn sons might become the Messiah. Priests had been praying for the Messiah to come and set his people free. And because of their fear of political or loss of political power, there were rulers who were also had an eye out for a Messiah, a Messiah that might come and threaten their authority. Expectations. Now, when I think of Advent through the years, I've often used the word expectations, that we expect God to do something uh, through Advent, expecting something special for Christmas. All of us are expecting to get something for Christmas, right? Um, I looked up the definition of expectation, and I was surprised by the definition. Expectation is projecting an imagined reality onto the future. Projecting an imagined reality onto the future. Now, Israel was looking for this political king that would bring deliverance, free them from oppression, and bring salvation. It, they, they imagined this reality would happen so much that they missed the Messiah because Jesus did not come to establish a political kingdom. He came to establish a spiritual kingdom that would be greater than any earthly kingdom and would last for eternity. Because of their imagined reality, they missed God's answer. And I want to challenge all of us as we move into Christmas, move toward through the season of Advent, don't let your expectations for Christmas cause you to miss God's answer. Our expectations, our imagined reality, if we're not careful, can cause us to miss that. Now, what about anticipation? A different word. L listen to this definition of anticipation. Looking forward with excitement, resting in the assurance that it will be good regardless of what form it takes. Looking forward with, ex with excitement, with the assurance it's going to be good regardless of what form it takes. Now, I want to live with anticipation. Knowing that 
What's going to happen in the future is going to be good because the God I serve is good. Amen? That this God we serve has a purpose and has a plan. Now, Advent is about three movements. Three movements. It's looking back in history to remember and celebrate that God has arrived in human form, the incarnation. So Advent, during these four weeks leading to Christmas, we'll look back and we'll celebrate what God has done in Jesus Christ. It's also living now in the reality that God is with us in Emmanuel. And more than ever in this season of COVID-19, we, we need to have that assurance that God is in this with us. That's the promise of Advent. But Advent is also looking forward with excitement and assurance that Jesus Christ is coming back. Don't miss that important teaching of Advent, that Jesus Christ promises to come back for final victory. 17 books in the Old Testament record prophecies of Jesus' second coming. 23 out of the 27 New Testament books teach that Jesus Christ is coming back for a second time. There are 1,845 biblical references about the second advent of Jesus. And Jesus spoke 21 times about his coming back, that he would return to establish his kingdom, a new heaven and a new earth. Jesus is called the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, when he will make all things right. That's been 2,000 years since Christ was born, 2,000 years since Christ was crucified, 2,000 years since Christ was resurrected and ascended into heaven. And so for 2,000 years, the church has been living between forgetting about him coming back or fretting about him coming back, worrying about it or not even thinking about it. And I want our focus in Advent to be about anticipation, that Jesus Christ is returning, that Jesus Christ is here with us now, and that Jesus Christ was born in a manger, God become flesh in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. So Advent is looking back, Advent is living in, and Advent is looking forward. Now as we look forward, as we anticipate, the Bible tells us we need to be watching. Jesus repeatedly says, watch for my coming. In Luke 21, keep on alert at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are about to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Watching. Part of watching for the coming of Jesus Christ is to be aware of false prophets. Be aware of those wolves in sheep's clothing. Watching means to pay attention to these words of Jesus. Behold, I'm coming like a thief in the night. Blessed is the one who stays awake. Blessed is the one who is watching, but also working. You know, while we're waiting, we are called to work. We're to be working as God's witnesses. We are called to go and fulfill the great commission. As long as there's one person that has not heard about the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, then our work personally and corporately as a church is not done. We continue working in our growing spiritually. We need to be growing deeper in our walk with Jesus Christ with, with the whole, through the Holy Spirit, working with God and becoming who he wants us to be. None of us in this room 
have yet reached our spiritual potential. All of us in this room and watching online are a work in progress. Can I get an amen to that? So there's work to be done, right? There's work for all of us to be doing. And third, we need to keep working and serving just as Jesus came to serve. There are people that need to be fed. There are people that need to be clothed. There are people that need to be visited. We are to take care of the least of these. And Jesus says, whenever you've taken care of the least of these, you've taken care of me. So we need to be watching, we need to be working, and we need to be waiting with patience and confidence. Waiting with patience and confidence, not fear and not anxiety. This Advent, will you watch, will you work, and will you wait? I love these words from Hebrews chapter 10. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. Church, let's hold fast. Let's not waver. Hold on to the hope that we affirm today that Jesus Christ was born, that Jesus Christ is with us, and that Jesus Christ will return. For God can be trusted to keep his promises. Now, this Advent Sunday, this first Sunday of Advent, I need to address the big elephant in the room. Because as we think about expecting or anticipating Advent, everyone in this room and watching online are anticipating and expecting a vaccine for COVID-19. Now I join you and the world in praying for a vaccine to get here. And I know that many of you listening have been deeply wounded, crushed, overwhelmed by COVID. And a vaccine would bring relief a vaccine would, be, would bring rest to a weary world. And at the right time, when it's, when it's uh, made available, and my doctor's here this morning in the room, and with his advice, I will take the vaccine when the time is right. We're all looking and expecting, anticipating for that. But as Christ followers, I want to give us some perspective. When we fix our eyes on our struggles... When we fix our eyes on our obstacles like pandemics, we only see human limitations. But when we fix our eyes on God, we see his goodness, we see his power, we see his faithfulness, and we see his possibilities. Now, while I am praying for a vaccine and I'm looking forward to a vaccine, I want you to hear this. Our ultimate victory, our ultimate hope is in Christ and not a vaccine. Can I get an amen to that? That's where our hope is. Our hope is in Christ as Christians. I sense that many are placing their trust in a vaccine that's going to resolve the crisis that we have in the world today. And, and if we get a vaccine and it's successful, we will rejoice as Christians. We will thank God for his relief that he's provided through smart people. But if a path is not readily open or something entirely unexpected occurs for better or for worse, we'll keep believing in Christ, right? We'll keep putting our trust in Jesus Christ. We'll keep hoping that he has the answers for our lives. You know, what if we anticipated the second coming of Jesus as much as we're anticipating the vaccine? What if we are looking for Jesus to come as much as we're looking for good news about a vaccine? I want to give you this word today as we begin this journey of Advent. Advent is focused on the victory of the incarnation, 
not the inoculation of a vaccine. Nothing wrong with a vaccine. Nothing wrong with an inoculation, but let's not miss the victory that we have in the incarnation of Jesus, where God came into our broken world. God became a human being in the person of Jesus, making divine love available to all people, setting in motion his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Now, incarnation is not the final victory, but it is most certainly a victory. Lynn and I are mostly Lynn, but partly a little bit of me. We're keeping our two youngest grandkids this weekend, right? Our son and daughter-in-law went to Nashville, so we're keeping Coleman and Denver. And last night, as I was holding little Coleman, and he's eight months old, and watching him as he tried to hold his head up, and he's trying to squirm around, and trying to turn over in the, in the little crib thing he's in, I realized that's exactly how Jesus was. The baby Jesus, the baby boy Jesus, couldn't hold his head up. That was God becoming a human being. The little baby Jesus had to learn to turn over. He didn't come into the world already knowing all those things, right? He became a human being just like us. That's the mystery and the power of the incarnation. And these words from Paul, 1 Corinthians 15, but thanks to God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, my friends, this incarnation that happened that first Christmas resulted in Jesus going to a cross and dying for the sins of the world and experiencing the power of resurrection, giving us victory over sin and death. Don't let COVID-19 be the Grinch that steals your Christmas joy. Don't let COVID be the Grinch that steals your Advent anticipation. Advent is focused on the victory of the incarnation, not on the inoculation of a vaccine. So I shared with Dr. Powers on the way in that I was going to do a little contrast between a vaccine and the victory we have in Jesus Christ. So I got to give, give a disclaimer. I'm not a doctor. I don't know any of this to be true about the vaccine, but it's stuff that I read online. So here you go. A vaccine is temporary. A vaccine may only offer short-term immunity. And like the flu vaccine I get every year, it will have to be repeated. But victory in Christ is eternal. Nothing temporary about the victory we have in Jesus Christ. There's wonderful peace when we know every night when we go to bed that whether we wake up or not, we're going to be in heaven because of the victory we have in Jesus Christ. As we face the struggles of life, we have victory in Jesus Christ. Now, a vaccine is limited in its supply, limited in supply. You know, there, there's these thousands of uh, millions of doses that have to be created, and I'm sure many of them are on the way, but it's still limited, and it only covers COVID-19. The victory in Christ is unlimited. It's available for everyone. There is no sin that the victory in Christ does not cover. There is no sin that you've committed that cannot be washed away. Availability of the vaccine, I'm sure that we will give it and we should give it to those at most risk, those the most vulnerable in the beginning. But one day it may be available for the whole world. Well, right now the victory in Christ is available to you right now. You don't have to wait on anything. You don't have to wait in line anywhere. 
wherever you're listening right now, you can receive the victory that comes from knowing Jesus Christ, that your sins can be forgiven, that you can have the assurance of salvation and the promise of eternal life. Now, the vaccine will be distributed by experts. You have to go somewhere where somebody who is an expert, somebody who has some medical training will give it to you. Well, all of us are called to share Christ. You don't have to be an expert to tell someone about Jesus Christ. And you know one of the sad things how the vaccine and victory in Christ are similar? The vaccine will be rejected by some people. Some people will refuse to take a vaccine. And what breaks my heart is there's a lot of people who refuse the victory in Jesus Christ. That there are people listening right now that I go, you know, maybe not right now. Maybe one day I'll think about that. Or that's just not for me right now. I would encourage anyone listening that you not reject God's gift of victory. God's gift of his son, Jesus Christ. He can change your life right now. My last major point I want to give you this morning is this one. Advent is when the Messiah comes home. The Messiah comes home. John 1:14 from the message, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one of a kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. You see, my friends, Jesus left his heavenly home to live in our hearts so one day we could go to heaven. What, what an incredible gift that, that the Messiah left his home to give us a home. Jesus born into a world of political turmoil, of economic instability, of ethnic strife, a time of great darkness when people were weary and tired. Sound familiar? He's born into our world as well. That Jesus Christ is here and available for you. Jesus left his home to reveal God to the world. People say, what does God look like? If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. Colossians 1.15 says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He is the visible image of the invisible God. Jesus came home to reveal who God is. Read about Jesus. Get to know Jesus, and you'll understand who God is. Jesus came to confirm God's promises. There were 300 promises fulfilled in Scripture in the birth of Jesus. Jesus came to confirm these promises. Jesus left the comfort of heaven to comfort us. He experienced hunger. He experienced thirst so we would not have to hunger and thirst again through living water, through the bread of Christ. He left the glory of God so we would be able to glorify God. He was willing to be separated from his father so we would not have to be separated from God. He moved into the neighborhood. God wants to move into your neighborhood. God wants to move into your home. As I looked at scripture, there are at least 15 times in the gospel. In the gospels when Jesus went to somebody's house. And it's amazing to look at what happened when Jesus went to people's house. It's the same Jesus who walked into homes 2,000 years ago that wants to walk into your home. So what happens when Jesus walks into a house? Well, the first thing we read about in Matthew 8 is healing occurs. Healing occurs. Jesus enters the house of Peter and he healed Peter's mother-in-law. 
I pray that your home will be a place of healing. That when people walk into your home, they will sense the presence of God. There can be healing of relationships. There can be healing of emotional hurts. Even physical healings can take place because Jesus is in the room. He's in the house. When Jesus went into homes, needs were met. Remember the, the, one of the first homes Jesus visited was in Canaan of Galilee? When his mother was hosting a wedding and they ran out of wine and, and, and Jesus' mother asked Jesus to turn water into wine so the needs could be met for the event. There's another story where, where Jesus and Peter go into a home and they begin to have some sort of conversation about taxes and there wasn't money to pay taxes. And Jesus told Peter to go catch a fish and in the fish's mouth would be a coin they would use to pay their taxes. Now, I can't promise you if you invite Jesus into your house that he'll pay all your taxes. I can't make that kind of promise. But I do know that if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he will add all things that you need to you. God wants to provide for our needs, not our wants, but provide for our needs. When Jesus goes into homes in Mark 5, enter the home of Jairus, whose daughter is dead. With one word, Jesus brings the girl back to life. When Jesus enters the house, death leaves. Now think about that. I've been in the homes of many believers who have just lost a loved one. And while we grieve together, while we cry together, while we lament together, we also talk about resurrection. We talk about the, the hope and belief that this person is now in heaven. This person has now been made whole through the power of resurrection. See, when Jesus is in the house, we believe in the power of resurrection. When Jesus is in the house in Mark 2, a crowd shows up. And Jesus ministers to the crowd. Now, let me just encourage you. I know that we're probably not going to have as many big events during the Christmas season because of covid but when you have an event at your house, a cookout, an oyster roast, some sort of progressive meal, is Jesus in the house or is he in the back room? And when Jesus, whenever we get done with the event here, you can come out. That's not how he rolls. He wants to be in your house. He wants to be in the event. Why? Because there are people coming to your event that have needs to be met. There are people coming to your house that need to know the power of the resurrection. There are people in your house whose lives need to be changed and you need to let Jesus be in the house. Amen? See, Jesus wants to be in the house. I love what the worship band said, that when Jesus in the house is in the house, failure is never final. When the Father's in the house. There are people coming to your house that feel like their life is a failure. Not if Jesus is in the house. Because there is grace available for every failure. And then last, I would say this morning that when Jesus is in the house, he offers rest. There's a lot of people that live in their homes that are restless. You can't sleep. You get up and you walk around. And I believe that some of that is because your soul is not at rest. Jesus promises to bring rest for our souls. In Luke, uh, Matthew chapter 11, then Jesus said, come to me all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for 
your souls. There are people listening right now that need rest for your soul. And once you find rest for your soul, sleep will come easier. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. In 1938, Amelia Earhart took off for her last flight. The last place she was going to attempt to land her plane was on a small 450-acre island in the South Pacific called Howland Island. It was like trying to find a needle in a haystack. We know from the story that Amelia got close to her destination because the island that she was trying to find picked up radio transmissions from her plane. The problem was that she could not hear the transmissions coming from the island because she was not familiar with the latest radio technology on her plane. If she would only turn one knob, more than likely she would have heard the voices guiding her to safety on that remote island. One small mistake probably led to her death and the death of her navigator. She was a great pilot, years ahead of her time, but she made a mistake. She, she was almost home, but she couldn't hear their voices. All of us in this room and listening online make mistakes. There are times that all of us feel like no one's listening. No one cares. Maybe you feel like you're miles from home today. Maybe you feel like you're miles away from God. Maybe you haven't been home in a long time. I want you to know that God hears your voice. God hears your cry for help. He came into this world to get you home safely. And if you invite him into your heart, he'll come into your home. He'll bring healing to you. He'll meet your needs. He'll give you hope for tomorrow. He'll take away your fears. Take away your anxieties. He'll give you rest for your body and your soul. This help will not come from you. This help will come from the Messiah. One of my favorite verses of scripture is Revelation 3.20, where Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. I'm knocking on the door of your house. I'm knocking on the door of your heart. And Jesus says, if you'll open the door, I will come in and I'll have fellowship with you. I'll come in and meet your needs. I'll come in and give you hope. I'll come in and give you the assurance of salvation. But you got to open the door. He's knocking. He's knocking. What do you got to do to open the door? You got to recognize that sin has separated you from God. All of us are sinners. And our sin separates us from God. Be willing to ask God for forgiveness. Will you forgive me, Father? Be willing to turn away from your sins and believe that Jesus Christ did come into this world as a baby born in a manger and went to a cross and died for your sins. Open the door and invite him in. Receive the gift of life. And life of Let me pray with you. Father God, I thank you that 
you want to give us rest for our souls and that you can hear the cries. You see our pain, you see our hurt, you feel our rejection. You know us inside and out. And sometimes we, we believe the lie that you don't hear us. The lie the evil one tells that you're not listening. But we know, Father God, you're listening and you're knocking and you're waiting on us to say yes. Come on in. Come into my heart. Come into my home. I receive you now. Father, I pray that for someone listening right now, whether they're here or whether they're somewhere else. Father God, I pray that lives will be changed today in Jesus' name. Be the light that shows us the way home. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Let's stand together and worship.